you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We are really excited for today's episode. We've got the Joe Wilkins. He is one of our DMs out of our Chicago O'Hare office. Ty, if you don't know Joe, he's a man of many, many talents. Um, he's a father of four. He's got two boys, two girls. Been uh, married for 13 years. Joe, by the way, we were just talking before the thing. It's uh, congrats. No, 14 years this July, right? July, 14 years. It's gone, it's gone congrats by quick. Congrats on the... Four kids in 14 years, man. That's, that's juggling. That is some serious... Yep. Um, Joe is... Um, I've known Joe for a long time and, um, personal stuff. He is, uh, from Missouri, grew up on a farm, grew up on kind of a ranch slash farm, um, hunter, fisherman, loves all things outdoors. Um, and he's been with Vivint Solar now on and off since 2012. We'll get into that a little bit here, uh, in the podcast, but, um, uh, has about 250 career installs with us, has probably another 100 installs uh, working for competitors, which we'll talk about a little bit, Joe. Um, but Ty, I met Joe back in, one thing about Joe, the first thing you'll notice is his size. Uh, Joe is a big boy. So um, when you meet him, he is an intimidating big guy, but he is one of the nicest, most kind people you'll ever meet. So Anyway, Joe, excited to have you on, man. Yeah, excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, we met at the gym. We met at 24-Hour Fitness in Provo, Utah. Um, it'll be nine years ago this month, right? Rest in peace, 24. They ended up shutting it down. It was the guy that paints his face white working out there then? Have you seen that guy? That was he me. He paints his face <laughs> like... That was me, like, Ty. There's like big chains around his neck. No? You haven't seen that guy? <laughs> that was Joe. That's that was me. Joe. <laughs> if that was you, that would be epic. Hey, true, true sons of Provo know the man with the white face. Good times. So it's kind of funny. Joe and I, you know, when there's like two big guys at the gym, like and you don't know each other. It's like two, like, you know, like pit bulls that just walk around each other and kind of steer clear of each other, Ty, because, you know, if you tangle, it's going to get ugly quick. So anyway, I'd always kind of seen Joe walking around the gym, you know, big guy, and I just didn't want any part of him. But uh, one day he just came up to me and he says, he goes, hey, uh, he goes, so I know I see you here pretty much every day. And he goes, do you do anything besides work out? And, uh, he goes, what do you, he goes, what do you do besides work out? And I'm like, uh, I said, yeah, I actually, it's kind of funny. I'm actually moving to Boston, uh, in like three days to go sell solar for Vivint solar. And he's like, really? And we just get chit chatting from the gym. We drive to the office and we go meet with chance and basically talk Joe into moving out to Boston on the spot. So that's how Joe got his start at Vivint Solar. And I arrived like a week later and then Joe arrived like two weeks after that in his big U-Haul and they moved out and he actually, Chance actually told him, Joe, tell us the story, Joe, because we were trying, I was trying to get Joe some move money 
and Chance, uh, what was the story, Joe? It was literally, I met with Chance literally, I don't know, maybe five hours after I met Adam at the gym. And uh, I'm interviewing with Chance and Chance is like, so, you know, what have you sold in the past? And I was like, I've never sold door to door ever. You know, like this is kind of like foreign to me. And he was like, well, you know, we're, we're not really recruiting guys that have never sold door to door in the past. Vivint Solar is a new thing. Um, but he's like, if, if you can go out there and, and sell six accounts, you know, we'll reimburse you for the move or, or whatever it might, whatever it was. I can't remember the exact details. Um, and I literally remember calling Adam like five times. I'm like, I didn't have any money. So like, I was like, do you think I can sell six accounts? Like, <laughs> and Adam's like, I think so. You know, like I just got out here two weeks ago. At that point, I hadn't sold six accounts yet, Ty. <laughs> so... <laughs> How hard could they be, right? Yeah. You guys are making me wonder. You guys are making me wonder what I missed out on by not being a big guy at the gym. You know, like all these. Uh, you guys got this like homie code, and you got these like opportunities coming to you. And I'm like, how many people have I met at the gym mm-hmm. ever, bro? There's a whole. There's a whole culture tie. There's a whole there's a culture whole, tie. Well, I've been there. I've, I mean, I go there. I just don't have the same experiences, man. Yeah, we see we see people like you at the gym. We just don't. I mean, what do we say? Like, hey, how did people you get like your me. bicep so small? Like, how'd you do that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, it's a constant diet of stress and not eating. That's the secret. <laughs> That's the secret. That's the secret. But Ty, Joe, to Ty's credit, he could probably kill both of us in a matter of seconds with all of his ninja moves he knows. So I, I believe it. Ninja so moves. it's not. It's not the size of the, well, I don't know. I don't know all the, I don't know all the sayings, but anyway, Joe, you and I are falling hard when we fall. When we tangle with we Ty, do. we're going to be falling hard. We'll say that much. We get hurt. Easy. Yep. That's true. So you make it out to Boston and he starts selling and immediately just starts killing it. Um, how many accounts did you sell that first week that you had to, you had to sell six to get your move money? Yeah. I think, I think I ended up creating 12 ACs that week. And back then the AC was like payment information. It basically got getting 12 welcome calls your first yeah, week. It's, it's 12, it uh, literally was closing 12 deals. Yeah. So, and then Joe's just been an absolute killer ever since. And I want to, I want to get into, um, what I think the, the coolest thing that about Joe Ty is from the day he started with us, he has been one of the most prolific recruiters the company has ever had. And he wasn't a manager or anything like that, but he just starts recruiting everyone he knows. So I wanted to kind of start off with that, Joe. What What is it about just recruiting that you're so passionate about? Um, You know, I, I don't, in all honesty, I don't feel like it's necessarily recruiting is what I'm necessarily passionate about, but I am pretty passionate about building relationships. Um, I value true friendships, you know? So, I mean, I, I guess the recruiting came along where, you know, I meet some guy at the gym and I end up talking to him for ever, you know, whether it be Adam or, or somebody else. And then, you know, this opportunity falls on my lap and it's, it's changed my life. So, you know, naturally, you know, I want to, you know, if I can do it, there's no reason why, you know, my friends can't. So if I can change their lives, like it's changed mine, then it's kind of a no brainer, you know? That's rad. No. And I know you've also met like, um, some really, really, famous people at the gym as well. Right. I mean, the gym seems to be like your hot spot for <laughs> recruiting, but, um, who are some of the most notable guys you've, uh, that you've met at the gym? Shaquille O'Neal was one, Devin Hester, uh, Jason Williams, white chocolate, um, Percy Harvin. 
I don't know who else. There, I don't know. Back, oh, half of those names, man. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. That's pretty fun. I'll do an extra. We should do an extra incentive if you can get Shaq to create an AC. <laughs> Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> should be relatively should be relatively easy. No, on on that note of recruiting, man, I've I've often felt the same way. Like the the cool thing about this opportunity is I don't the same way you kind of don't feel like you're selling. You know what I mean? You kind of tell people about it, and then they just come on board. You know, I had a similar experience when I was um, when I was first recruiting for Vivint Solar. You know, we used to have an incentive with Vivint Inc. to to introduce people to Vivint Solar. So I didn't even work here when I started recruiting here, and. I started bringing people in, you know, that, that didn't want to do alarms and I would have them or that, you know, worked for us in alarms and moved on in the past. And I would bring them in and they would meet with Chance and we'd go through the whole story. And, and you know, Chance had this early recruiting pitch of, you know, that here's the problem, right? So he'd go through and I still say some of the stuff from his first initial recruiting approach with me, you know, experts give us about 80 years of burnable fossil fuel as this change is happening with or without us. But here's the white space in the market and here's what, you know, here's the opportunity to be a part of it. And I remember after recruiting a bunch of people, I closed the door to Chance's office and said, hey, can I come? Like, can I come join your company? <laughs> but it, and since then, it's just been like, you know, you kind of, you, you introduce people to it. I mean, I think of how many people across our offices were customers, or I think of how many people, you know, you know, from the gym, from church, from, from life, from Facebook, from this podcast, we get a lot of people that call us and say, hey, this sounds really cool. Can I, can I be a part of it? So how many you know, of, of the people you're in Chicago now, how many of the people on your team are local recruits versus people that you've brought in from uh, out of state people that you other, knew before? Other markets. Um, you know, I think our foundation came from other markets, you know, coming into a new market. There's a lot of what ifs, you know, we've all opened up new markets. Um, some of them, some of them have been awesome. Some of them haven't. So there's always that risk, but um, coming into Illinois, you know, we really did our homework on this market. We knew it was going to be a good market, um, and we knew the the earning potential for reps. So the, from that aspect, it made it pretty easy. But um, I'd, I'd say the first, you know, the first four or five guys that came to work for us um, here in Illinois um, were from Florida, um, Maryland, from, from from other states outside of uh, Illinois, and then. It's just like anything, you know, you get it, you start recruiting guys locally. Um, and the cool thing about Illinois is we have so many um, reps from other markets um, that know that family or friends in Illinois. So like I'd get text messages from people I didn't even know and be like, hey, this is my buddy. He's from Illinois. He's wanted to sell solar for a long time with us. He just never could move to Massachusetts or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So is, I mean, that you know, a, a lot of our a lot of the recruits came from, you know, previous reps and, and, and whatnot, just personal that's, that's a really good. I always, I always tell guys to look for opportunities to refresh your contact list, you know, like coming from alarms to solar did that. It's like everybody, like, you know, you have your list before and you're like, Oh, well, that person's cold or that person's no, but then you switch markets, you switch opportunities, you switch and it refreshes everything and gives you the opportunity. So how, how many people are on the team in Chicago now? Uh, the, and how, how long have you guys been open there? You've been there for what, two years? Yeah, two years, almost to the date. Um, it, it's it's kind of hard to say. So this coronavirus lockdown has really had a negative impact, obviously, on everybody. But, um, I mean, we're still not on the doors. It doesn't sound like we're going to be on the doors for another three weeks, four weeks, depending on, depending on you know, depending on what they let us do. So it's kind of, I don't know, you know, I got a feeling we're going to have to, 
get in there and, and start talking to our reps over again. I don't know who, who actually is all kind of stuck around or who went home for, you know, the two, three months. Um, but I don't know. We've been up to, we've had about 50 in our office, 50 um, reps. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping we have 15 <laughs> whenever we're able to get back to work. And, and then I don't, again, I don't feel like recruiting will be that difficult, you know, especially with as many people that are out of work and, and I mean, ready for this opportunity, you know? Joe, when you're recruiting, I know a lot of the guys that you've brought into the company have been friends or even family members. Um, I know you recruited, you know, Dallin Andrus is what your cousin, right? Yeah. You guys are cousins. Um, and then you've also recruited the, the Barros brothers, Tiago and Felipe. Felipe. Right? So, um, so two, two very different stories. Um, for, for guys who are kind of up and coming or just interested in recruiting, how do you talk to people who you don't know and kind of introduce the company to them? Because I think it's easy to do when it's your family. They all know who you work for, that kind of stuff. But wasn't, um, wasn't Tiago or Felipe one of those two, like a valet or something like that? And you just started talking to them or what's this? How do you, uh, basically, um, how do you start up a cold call convo about the company? So, I mean, so Thiago and Felipe were actually already in the industry. They were just looking for a lot better opportunity. So they're looking mm. for better pay, um, better culture. So that was, those guys were, it was, those guys just kind of fell in my lap. Um, now let's use Dallin as an example. Dallin was just graduated from BYU. Um, he was working for Marriott. I think he was valet parking cars or um, something along those lines. Um, and I actually just, I kind of, I talked to him a time or two. We weren't super close. He actually married my cousin. Um, so we married into the family and uh, I kind of just, I hit him up on Facebook. You know, actually I learned that technique from you, Adam, um, reached out to him on Facebook. Um, I'm not like the way I recruit. It's not like, it's not like all my friends on Facebook are getting like, you know, messages come work for Vivint Solar in Chicago. It's, it's more, it's more handpicked, I guess. Like I know people, I've been doing this long enough. That's like, I know who's going to be good at this job and, and who's going to struggle. You know, obviously we always have those, those guys that like, man, I didn't think he was going to do well and he's definitely surprised me. But, um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I try to reach common ground, you know, with, with people, whether it be through a, a vehicle or a pair of shoes or, or whatever it might be. Um, and then I try to relate with them, compliment them. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, the people that know me, I'm pretty straightforward. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like if you have a better opportunity somewhere, I'm not going to try to recruit you saying, Hey, you know, I know you're making $5 million a year, but come work for us. You can make 6 million. You know, the chance of that happening, it's not very slim. So I feel like I'm pretty honest with, uh, I'm pretty honest with my friends, you know? What, what do you feel like the, the value for you is, is you're recruiting people, like what does it do for your own mindset, your own motivation in, you know, just overall value that it does for you personally? Um, I mean, I love it. I mean, I, I get text messages from, from Felipe. I get text messages from Josh Johnson, Dallin Andrus. You know, these guys are like, they went from making, you know, 13, 13, 14 bucks an hour to making two, three, $400,000 a year. And I love that. I mean, that's just, you know, it, it's not like, you know, it's not like financially it's benefited me like a crazy amount to recruit all my friends or family, but I just love seeing, 
you know, it's like everyone's got families to feed. Everyone's got kids. Everybody's got bills. Everybody's, you know, everyone's wanting to, uh, you know, better themselves, whether it be financially or, or, or whatever it might be. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of, um, you know, getting those text messages from Josh being like, Hey, you know, he literally, I, yesterday he just texted me, bought a new truck, lifted, tricked out. Like, I'm like, dude, that's so awesome. It would have taken him a while. You got to hear, and no, you got to, you got to hear Josh's story. So Josh is one of our DMs out in Eastern shore in Maryland. And, um, Joe, can you just kind of tell them about Josh? Just give us the brief, uh, kind of, cause Josh is killing it now. He, I mean, he's consistently he, making he might actually, K plus. Yeah. He might be the most consistent rep in the history of Vivint Solar. Like you can count on him doing 20 installs a quarter, 25 installs a quarter, every single every quarter, quarter, regardless of, regardless of if we're in the middle of a coronavirus, it's like he's crushing every time. But his story, um, you know, he, so he actually married a girl um, that's from my hometown, small town in Missouri. Um, he got in an automobile accident. He was covered in, in medical debt. Um, and I don't know how much of this I should actually share, but um, and he was just looking for a better opportunity. You know, he, he uh, was doing construction. Obviously, we all know construction's tough on the body. Um, I don't know exactly what it, you know, kind of income he was making, but probably not 10% of what he's making now. Um, and I literally just, his, his uh, mother-in-law actually reached out to me and then I reached out to Josh and, uh, you know, flew him out to Maryland and, and, uh, didn't you have, to, didn't you have to sleep in his, didn't you have to sleep in his car for like the first like couple <laughs> months did. or something? He did. He was literally sleeping, a sleeping bag and his, he had an SUV, he would set all the, the seats down and, and literally he was, that's right. He was sleeping in his car. So pretty yeah. crazy. That is crazy, man. Those are, you know, you were talking about the text messages that you get. Like I, a lot of people know this. I have a folder that I keep those and there's only, there's probably, I don't know, 30 of them over my 17 years in, in direct sales, but I don't really keep like awards I've been given. I don't really keep things like that, but I keep those. And every now and then I actually go into that folder because it's a good reminder of, of why you do the job. You know, there's so few jobs that allow you to be fulfilled in a way where it's like, man, you impacting Josh's life, right? That's going to affect generations. Like think of, you know, my, my family is uh, on my mom's side, they're dairy farmers. And so a lot of like those, those attributes, you know, they learned on the farm are somehow in me and in my kids and going on, like, think about the ripple effect of that through generations. It, it helps me understand how significant what things that sometimes seem insignificant are like you'll talk about oh no i just met this guy and told him about the opportunity that's a significant event that's going to ripple through and and change generations you know yeah i love it that's that's part of the that's part of my why i i feel like why i do what i do yeah and i think i think being reminded of it every now and then and also being sure to share gratitude with people like i you know i have a long list of people that have helped change the generations that are going to flow through me. You know what I mean? And people that reached out to me and, and, and encouraged me and more than anything, like help me see things. You know, I, I was, uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day and, uh, I might've referenced it on here before, but it was, uh, they were talking about, it was, um, Greg McEwen, the guy that wrote essentialism. And he was talking to Tim Ferriss and he said, there's kind of three kinds of people that, you know, you'll manage. There's those that'll see it like people like you, 
Like you recruit you, you come into Boston, you do 12 ACs your first week. You got it. You understand the opportunity you're going to go. There's people that see it once shown, which I'm one of those. So it's not like immediately see the opportunity. It's, hey, you know, somebody came to me and said, hey, I actually think you could do 200 alarms, not 100. I actually think you could manage 100 people, not 12. And they helped me see it. And then he said, the third is those that'll never see it. And I've just kind of decided in my career, I don't have time for those that'll never see it. But those that can see it once shown, get all the time. In the game, right? Where do you, where do sure. you fall? I, I, in the category of, I think you, you went out and you did 12 immediately and you've opened new markets and you're growing, but you're not from this industry. So hearing that, where would you say you rank? Um, you know, over the years, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Another, another guy that I actually met at that gym that same exact year was a, a, a guy by the name of Aaron Ross. Um, who was in the alarm industry for yeah, a long right. time. I never sold alarms, so I don't know his whole background. But, um, you know, he was trying to recruit me. So, like, in my mind, he already embedded this, um, hey, I'm going to be good at this job thought in my head. Um, the, the only downfall is I wasn't really – I wasn't passionate about security. Like, it just wasn't – it wasn't my thing. Like, um, so I was kind of turned off to it. Um it's actually funny because now Aaron Ross, this is 10 years later, Aaron Ross is actually, um, he's going to be managing an office in Illinois. Um, he'd already be here if the coronavirus thing wasn't shut down. But um, yeah, so it's great. actually, that's actually a pretty cool story. But, um, well, I don't know, you know, wh where, what category I fit in. Um, I, I mean, my mentality, I guess, is like, you know, I, I look at the, the successful people in the world and, and these guys are, getting dressed every morning the exact same way I do, you know, one foot at a time. Um, and I just, I feel like if he can do it, I can do it kind of, that's, that's kind of my mentality. So, and, and, and when I recruit guys, even when I recruit guys, even I'm just like, I, I mean, I'm nothing special, you know, I'm, you know, it's not like I know these secrets that, that no one else can learn. So like when I recruit guys, I'm, you know, that's basically what I say is like, Hey, you know, you work hard at this job and, and you, you try to get better every day and, and success is always going to, you know, it's always going to rise to the top. So what, um, what was your mentality like going in and, and that's a pretty rapid start. So when you're, when you first started selling and you first came into the job, you know, still most of our uh, sales athletes are, we're recruiting so many people and bringing so many new people on. Most of the people are in the phase of your career that you were in when you went out to see if it was going to work out in Boston. So maybe for those that um, are in a similar situation, what was your mentality like? How did you? How were you thinking in order to get those early results? Um, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I was pretty scared. You know, I, I was married, had two kids. Uh, my wife just we just had our second kid. Um, I was just graduating from BYU at the time. Went to went to school a little later um, than most people do, just because you know I was doing other things. Um, so I mean, it's. I mean, that's, I didn't have any other option, you know, it's not at the time, the economy, you know, we were just kind of getting out of this housing crisis. So it, there weren't people banging down my door to say, Joe, come, come and work for us. Like we have to have you. So, I mean, my mentality, I guess was like, I, you know, I got two kids and a wife, like this is, I'm either going to make it happen or, or I'll make it happen. Well, it's funny, Ty, when Joe first came out, um, I put him in this town called Lexington, which at the time I never have lived in Massachusetts either. So like, I didn't know, I didn't understand what the towns were like. We were all new to solar. We had no idea what was a good area. What was a, you know, a bad area or whatever. 
And Lexington is just a very, very high-end town. I mean, it's probably some of the highest property value in all of Massachusetts. And it's like heavily wooded. So you can find homes there and you can find success there, but it's just a more challenging town than, you know, a lot of our other towns that we work in. And I actually blame, Joe ended up leaving Boston. Uh, how long were you out here, Joe, before you headed down to Maryland? So I was I was there for like seven months or so, eight months. About seven, eight months. So I actually blame, I actually blame a poor management decision, Ty, on Joe leaving Boston the first time, but, um, you know, tough life lesson, but I will say <laughs> there's a funny, there's a, there's a funny story. Joe, I remember Joe came to me and he's like, Hey man, like, he's like, I don't think that you're, you know, I mean, in so many words, he was basically like, I think the reason that you're doing so well is cause your area. And I'm like, Joe, it is not my area. Like, uh -oh. I'm like, I promise he you can there. be good anywhere. He went there. He pulled the area so, card. He pulled the area card, which now that Joe's a manager, I'm sure he loves getting that, getting that one reps hit him with that. Dude, it's so great but, when you, uh, can, like, you can relive and be like, I was that guy, dude. I was the guy with the first yeah. time I went knocking with the guy that trained me. I spoke up. I was the guy behind him with like 10 you were, you were the You were the <laughs> backseat driver. Oh, gosh. I hate people like that, dude. I, and I was oh, like, man. Well, there was some truth to that, though. I think I went there for one day. So, well, hold on, hold on, Joe. I'll tell, <laughs> let me tell him. Let me tell him. Let me tell him. So, Joe, so I, so first of all, this is way before like Neo or anything. We didn't have like any area management tools or anything. So, we were printing off maps off, you know, like MapQuest and just circling areas on a map. And so, the town I was working in was called Lowell. Lowell has a river that divides the city. Lowell, but you guys say Lowell. Lowell, Lowell. You gotta say it like you got a couple. A couple. You gotta say it like you got a couple. It's like you got a couple rocks in your mouth, Ty. Yeah. So um, Lowell has a river that cuts the city perfectly north, a uh, north-south border. So it's like right through the center of the little downtown. I draw a map for Joe below the river. I've been working this area above the river for like, you know, six months now, just like, you know, making my little bonfire all over. I give Joe the map, circle the whole town below the river. And that day he goes out one day and sells three. And he's like, see, dude, he's like, I told you, he's like, I told you it was your area why you're doing so well. And I was like, <laughs> So I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, there might be something to that, man. I'm like, I'll tell you what, that area I gave you, you can go work that area anytime you want. Well, I get home that night, I get on the computer and I'm like, looking at, I'm like, where I'm like, you know, cause now I'm like, I wonder where he sold those accounts. You know, he's like selling accounts in my town. So <laughs> I get on the map. He literally sold three neighbors of three of my installs in my streets. Like he's on, Mark. he's on the North, hey. he's on the North side of the river. I'm like, gosh dang it, Joe. But hey, you didn't tell heated. the whole story, I, Adam. You didn't tell the whole story. I was story. heated. All right, let's so hear Lexington, the rest of the story. Lexington was a historical district. So after I sold 100 accounts in there and none of them got installed, they finally came back and were like, hey, you can't put glass on historical district homes. So like... I had that one coming, but I do apologize. Yeah, well, that was uh, we we learned some hard life lessons back in the early days. So I did want to ask you though, Joe. So you've sold in in Boston, Maryland, 
Um, Florida. You've sold in Florida. You opened up the Florida market with Jordan Laplace. Um, you actually helped open up South Carolina, which was definitely a challenging couple months. Um, and now you're opening up Chicago. So you, you definitely have this appetite for opening markets, but then in between, you also left the company two different times. So once you went to solar city, like in the early, early days, like 2013, and then you had a short stint at Trinity. What, what made you come back? Cause I know, I mean, we've obviously, we had a lot of our, you know, we had a lot of operational issues. We had a lot of growing pains as a company. So um, I think that frustration obviously led you kind of to a boiling point to, to feel like you had to look at other options, but what made you come back every time? Um, you know, I think the first time, the first time when I left Massachusetts, actually, like I, uh, I, I was so, um, new to the industry. I didn't, I didn't really understand how things worked. Um, to be honest, I moved my whole entire family to, to mass and, and we're literally, we have a moving truck unloading all of our furniture and, and everyone that is like, are you, you work for Vivint Solar? You know, other reps that are living in within the apartment, they're like, we, you don't move your stuff where we move. Like we work here for three or four months and then we go home or, you know, these guys were all coming up, you know, these guys were all coming back from uh, summer sales. Summer so sales. I, I think in my mind that kind of like scared me, like what the heck am I doing? You know, cause everything was, everything was relatively new. So I, I you know, I, I just didn't know what I was doing. I think it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't operation. Either time I left, it had nothing to do with operations. Even there was no frustrations. It was just, you know, you, you start doing well and then all of a sudden, you know, it goes to your head and, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you always think the grass is going to be greener on the other side. So, I mean, that's both times I left, to be honest, were, you know, the, those those issues both times so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like you know vivent solar wasn't good to me or or anything like that i think it was just i was new to the industry i didn't know you know i, I was believed every everything everyone told me and and took took for granted a lot of the sales tools and and uh, the culture and and you know i learned pretty quick that uh, this is where I needed to be. So I was going to say, Jeff Galvin, he said that um, you don't realize that Vivint makes you better than you are. And when you go to places that are under-resourced, it exposes you. Like whatever little weakness you have is amplified because, you know what I mean? It's almost like, here, sports analogy coming up. Okay, if you got a bad uh, crossover, okay, and then you don't have a team that can help defend you or whatever, you're just exposed every single time, right? It's, it's kind of the same thing here. Like you don't realize how easy a lot of those tools make your life. I was asked the other day, how come, how come I've never gone to start my own thing? And the answer is simple. I just don't think I could do a better job. I don't think I could recreate. And even if I could, I wouldn't want to. Like it's such a function of timing and the right people coming together that I actually think it's really beneficial to look around and, and say, man, what would life be like if I didn't have these resources, tools, name recognition, brand recognition, other leaders that have done it, a legal team, these licensing teams to help us open up markets, all of these things, right? And it's pretty humbling when you go down that road to see, wow, I've got, I've got a lot of people blocking for me. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's awesome. I'll give you a, I'll give you a B minus on that one. Ty. It, was, it was, admittedly, it wasn't. Great. <laughs> 
I should have just hit us with it. And then I would have been like, dude, that was pretty good. Um, so Joe, you're, you're at these competitors. At what point does that sort of start dawning on you? Like, man, I, I miss it over there. I'm starting to realize maybe I made a mistake. Um, you know, honestly, like, um, you know, when you're being recruited by someone, um, they're telling you how amazing you are, obviously. Um, they're, they're, they're obviously in their own way, kind of slandering the company you're working for and explaining to them, everyone, why what they have is better than, than what I'm used to. Um, and I, you know, it just gets you, you know, we're sales guys. We, we're all a little egotistical at times. Um, you know, y- your ego gets pumped up and you get all excited and you're just like, yeah, you know, like sign me up, like, let's take over. And then, you know, whenever you start jumping into to what they have to offer and their tools and their, their different, um, you know, their different tools, you realize pretty quick. It's like, Oh gosh, it's like, I think I might've made the wrong decision, you know? And then, uh, and I think, I mean, I think it's something, you know, you, you know, within a couple months, whether, you know, you can, um, you can be confident enough about a company where you can recruit your best friends or you can talk to the guy at the gym and be like, Hey, quit your, you know, quit your, uh, quit your job that you've had for 12 years and come over here and, and, and see what we have to offer. See if you can, you know, better your, your family and, and your life. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think it's something that I realized, you know, really quick, like, Oh, great. Now I got to call Jeremy long or call Adam and be like, Hey, uh, you know, so can I come back? You know? <laughs> yeah. But the fact that you're dude, the fact that you're willing to do it, cause we have a lot of people come back, you know what I mean? And the one thing I've really learned in like, a, uh, a lot, when you view your career with like a really long term lens, you, you don't burn bridges as much. I think we've all learned that, right? Like you just, you don't burn those bridges because you just don't know when life is going to bring you back around. And the cool thing is, you know, you now have the experience because think about how much more of a capable leader you are now that you've been down those roads and seen what's down there. And so now that you're kind of on the other side of the table where before you didn't know anything about the industry and you went through and learned, I'm interested in some of like the Joe isms, like what, are, what, what would you tell like a brand new leader at Vivint Solar? What are the couple main pieces of advice that, that um, you like- believe most in? Are you talking a, a DM, like a brand new sales leader or a brand new sales rep or what do you? Give me a new leader. What would you tell, like somebody that's going to go and take over a market and help a team grow. What are some of the most key like lessons that you've learned that you would tell them? So I literally, so obviously most, most offices have a minimum of three DMs in the office. And, and I would tell them the exact thing that I did when I went to Illinois. Uh, I know what my strengths are and I know what my weaknesses are. So when I was recruiting guys that I wanted to work with, like long-term, um, at the time it was Clyde, um, and Ryan and Clyde Larson, Ryan Antonick. Um, and then later T Hutch came, um, you know, I, I chose, you know, I, I was recruiting guys that I knew I could work with that would make me better, a better person, you know, a better, uh, manager that I could learn from, um, and that could accommodate my weaknesses. Um, so I, that's, I mean, I think that's, you know, you, you, when you're, you're opening up a new market like this, you want to make sure you're, you're working with guys that, um, you know, y- your goals and your values align. Um, but at the same time, they bring something to the table that uh, 
that maybe it's not that you're not capable of it, but it's maybe not one of your strengths. That's good advice. Or something that that gives you energy as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What would you say to that, Adam? What would you tell, what, what, what are your McClellanisms to a brand new leader? (laughs) Send them to, send them to historical district. That's what he said. (laughs) To make sure they know. You gotta let suckers know. Joe, Joe is forged. He is forged still, man. Like he, uh, I put him in the, the worst area and yeah, you're welcome. You know, I've watched Joe. So Joe's opened up a couple markets now and he's done a really good job every time. And I think there's a difference between opening up a new market and then also taking over an existing market. Right. And I think Ty, you've had to do that a lot with, you know, California move guys around, like shuffle the deck a little bit, um, and move guys around. I think the best thing that I've seen Joe do, especially in Chicago, is we hear Bywater talk about it all the time, which is celebrate the and. And Joe is someone who is a high-performing salesman, and he never makes excuses on, you know, getting his 20-plus installs pretty much every quarter that he's um, that he's been selling since Chicago opened. And on top of that at one point they had like 70 something guys in their office and Joe's just a recruiting machine. You know what I mean? And it's like, he's just, he knows that um, you always are working to just continue to recruit top talent, but you can't also just let that be an excuse not to do what's most important as a leader, which is always lead from the front. So it's like, you got to have that lead from the front sort of, base and then you got to be able to figure out the other stuff to be able to do at the same time and i feel like a lot of our dms it's like you hear the analogy like the plates spinning it's like sometimes they they're able to keep one plate spinning but the other plate falls off you know and um i think joe's a good example of someone who's been able to to kind of keep both plates spinning so what what is your mentality with that joe i mean you 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 sell a ton but then you also do all this other stuff so i mean how do you do it all um i mean again i don't I don't do it all by myself. I got, I got some, I got Ryan and I got Hutch and I got, uh, Clyde who, um, in my personal opinion are equally as valuable as I am. So it's nice. It's a pretty good marriage because I, I can rely and lean on these guys. And, um, you know, I know that I can recruit guys lights out and I know these guys can train these guys and get them, um, to where they need to be and in a a very short amount of time so i guess my answer my answer to that would probably be it's 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 not all me for sure it's it's the guys that i that i manage my office with got it i wanted to get into a little bit about your background you're from a small town what town are you from by the way It's it's called willard missouri um it's outside of springfield about two hours outside of kansas city two and a half hours outside of st louis i usually pride myself on those small towns you know just from like years selling (laughs) I usually, people are like, I'm from a small town in Minnesota. I'm like, try me, but I do not know. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, those towns are great to go knock in. Um, but so you grew up in a small town in Missouri, you grew up on a farm. Is that right? We did. Yeah. We, my, I was pretty lucky. My family had a, a originally pretty decent sized farm. So we've always we raised black Angus cattle and, and, uh, been able to, you know, enjoy those those things as a kid that's cool and since you've started being able to make some pretty good money with vivant solar uh you've actually already started buying land in missouri right yeah so we're, i mean we're always looking to you know it's, it's probably more so on my my uh my dad's side but yeah we're always 
you know, anytime a farm comes up for sale kind of around the perimeter of, of where we already have existing land, we always, um, you know, we always try to get our, our fingers in there the best we can. To be honest, my dad actually just called me this morning and said there's a place that he wants me to buy that's bordering one of, one of his places. So, yeah, we're always looking to – I love that kind of stuff. I, I'm an outdoors kind of guy. You know, I like I like four-wheelers and horses and dirt bikes and, and that type of stuff. So um, that's – I mean, that's my thing. So, yeah, I love it. Is that the end game? The end game is to eventually get back to Missouri and – call it a day on all this sales stuff and just go farm again um is my wife gonna see this video that's up to you man. <laughs> that's up to you <laughs> no i'm just kidding yeah i mean for me yeah that would be my end goal um obviously my wife's from sacramento california so she uh definitely a different pace of lifestyle than what she's used to but um i mean i think we'd like to try to get some back that way at some point. Yeah. Well, that's Ty. So one of my favorite things about Joe and just his wife are, it's like two polar opposite worlds that somehow <laughs> collided. Right. And I mean, Joe will call me sometimes and he's down in Miami at Steph's dad's beach house, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and then I'm like, he's got this, you know, and Joe, all he's thinking about at the beach house is how he wishes he could be sitting on like a John Deere out in a field, you know, plowing the <laughs> field. Or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, bush I'm like, I know about, I know about how Missouri does bush hogging. You know, yep. you know it. So, you know it. So how does that work, Joe? I mean, is there, a, is it just a, a, such a, you know, one of those opposites attract type situations or have how's, have you guys made it work for 14 years? But, you know, I, I think, you know, at the time, so my family had about 2,500 acres in Missouri and I always tease her about this. I'm like, you probably, you know, 2,500 acres in California, you'd be sitting on, you know, $40 million or something like that. So she, in her mind, she's probably thinking dollar signs, this guy's loaded. And then we get out there and we're just a bunch of poor farmers and she's like, Oh shoot. What did I get myself into? So that was your, that was your pick. That was your pickup line. Oh yeah. We got about 2,500 acres out in uh, Missouri. Missouri. Prime, prime real estate. Prime real estate. Uh, Joe, talk no, about, I think, uh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, I think, you know, sales guys, you know, we, we know the right things to say. Right. So I, you know, I think I sold my wife pretty hard on me and it, it's worked out so far. So, yeah, I think we know good. the right things to say, except for sometimes when it comes to those relationships with those that you're closest to, you know, I, I've made some of the biggest sales mistakes and I've witnessed some of the biggest sales mistakes by some of the best salespeople in the world when they're communicating with the people they're closest to. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's There's, like, you know this, you oh, have yeah. to set it up, you have to soft seed, you have to transition, you have to detach from the result. But we just make, we just blow the doors wide open when it's somebody that we know well. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have a th I think it's because we're good at cleanup too, Ty. That's why we're, uh, even, you know. Even that. Anyway, um, Joe, talk about, I always like to revisit some of the lessons. I, I don't say a lesson that I learned because they're all the same. It's lessons that I relearned. There's a, there's a handful of lessons that I just constantly learn over and over and over again. What are some of those for you? What, what's a lesson that you learn that's like, oh, this is familiar. I need to remember that this principle exists. I mean, in life in general, I, I feel like, you know, anybody that's successful, they have to have a routine. Um, 
um, one of the, to be honest, one of the most frustrating things for me this past couple of months is with this with this virus going on. Like my routine is like all I don't have a routine right now, and I, I feel like um, you know that that really weighs on me um, just because mm-hmm. I I can't gauge anything or I don't know. You know, it's like I look at my watch, but I can't go knock or I can't. You know, we can't have meetings or we can't. So so right. it's been kind of you know for me. Um, just dealing, I guess, just dealing with, with that type of stuff, I guess. Does that answer your question? Yeah. That's one of those things that I relearned constantly too. And I, the other thing that I found with it is a lot of times people will get a routine, but they'll have some life event, a new relationship, a new position, man, it could be a new area. You could switch cities and you have to retweak your routine. You know, like we always talk about Adam's super high maintenance dog. But it's like, hey, you need a new routine when you enter that accident prone puppy into your life. But seriously, like it's one of those things where it's like, okay, shelter in place. I need to adjust. And a lot of it is, you know, you mentioned having something that's measurable and the feeling that it gives you. That's a good one. Yeah, I definitely have learned that. I also tend to overdo it sometimes. Like I'll get this routine that's like super engineered. And after a while, I'm like, dude, this routine's intense. I'm exhausted. Like it's, I need to dial it back you know, 25%, you know what I mean? For sure. I mean, I feel like me personally, if I don't, if I don't put myself in some type of routine, um, uh, somebody always gets neglected somewhere, whether it be a a particular rep or uh, my family, or even like, just like my own time to do whatever I do to to clear my head, you know? So, I mean, I I feel like that's huge. I mean, I think that's pretty crucial to, uh, to being successful, regardless if it's, you know, selling solar or being a preacher or, you know, whatever it is that, that, you know, you choose to be in life. Joe, what are, sorry, go ahead, Ty. I was going to say the other one that just comes to mind. This is funny, but I don't know if you guys ever do this when you're doing accountability or looking at numbers and stuff like that, but I I have to find trends at night and deal with it in the morning. Cause at night when I'm exhausted, uh, I make weird assumptions. I make assumptions that people aren't trying hard or whatever. And I wake up in the morning more empathetic for some reason. So like, I always have to remember personally, like it's just a lesson I constantly, constantly learn that I don't hound numbers at night. I just don't, I mean, I'll post them and I'll make people aware of them, but in the morning I can wake up and I can just see things differently. I don't know if it's because I, you know, I feel like I'm spreading myself so thin during the day or I see it differently or something like that. But it's one of those things that I've noticed because I'll wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, well, there probably is an explanation for it. You know what I mean? I don't know if you guys have ever seen sure, that, but I see sure. it constantly. Yeah, no, I, I can relate for sure. What's your big picture goals, Joe? What are you working toward? Honestly, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've i been pretty fortunate. You know, I work pretty hard at what I do, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm relatively good at what I do. Um, I've been able to financially get ahead. Um, you know, any, any financial book or any – investment book or any, you know, you, you read books about successful people and, and I know you can, um, measure that in a lot of different ways, but most of these financial successful, successful individuals, um, you know, they're always investing their money. They're always, you know, they're always making money with their money. So, I mean, for for me personally, like I want to figure out that game as well as what I'm currently doing, just because, I mean, the, the smart guys are doing it and, you know, that's kind of what I want to do, you know, I guess, I guess my, my goals are, I mean, 
just kind of like when I, so my dad works for a trucking company, runs a trucking company um, called Prime. Um, it's a great company, been awesome to my family. Um, I think they got about 9,000 trucks on the road right now. Um, I remember I was actually currently working for my dad at the time. Um, and I, you know, in our town, if you work for that, that particular company, that's, that's a really good job if you're working for that company. And, and when I was telling my dad, you know, Hey dad, like, um, I'm thinking about going out to Massachusetts and, and selling door to door solar panels. My dad literally looked at me like, you know, you are not, you know, if you leave, you can't come back. That's basically what he said. Like, I mean, obviously I can come back to, to, to where I'm from. He's like, but you can't come back and, you know, work, work with, with him. Um, and I think, I mean, what kind of drives me is a lot of, you know, I like being the guy that's like, oh yeah, you can't do that. Cause it, it actually makes me want to do it just that much more. Um, so I think that's one of the, the, the things that kind of drives me quite a bit. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm interested in what, what you see as a common mistake that people make when they come into the industry. We asked you earlier about, you know, advice that you would give to a new manager. What are, what are common mistakes that you, that you see new reps coming in that people should avoid? They quit too soon. I did it. The first time I was here, I did it, you know, um, selling a lot of volume, um, was getting impatient, having cancels. Um, you know, I, I definitely, my, the outcome for me probably would have been a lot different if I, if I would have just stuck with, with, uh, you know, Adam and, and mass when I first, first got to Massachusetts. Um, I definitely, I sold myself short, you know, I guess. And, and I, I, th I feel like I quit too soon. Um, and I, I see it all the time. Um, guys are like right at the point where, you know, their pipeline is full and they're, they get that first install and then it just starts trickling after that. But these guys get impatient and they end up, um, leaving before they start getting paid. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake people, our guys make in this industry. I agree with you, man. One of my, one of my favorite quotes is much good work is lost for lack of a little more. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like going to school for, or it's like, you know, going to the gym for two months and being like, nah. And you're like, no, no, Not like for me. the transformation <laughs> starts to happen at three months. And then at six, like you've already done the hardest part. Your muscles are already sore. You've already been the embarrassed one not that doesn't know what to do. Like that education is so valuable and it's so expensive to just throw it away. But I think on top of that, it's they quit too soon, but they also just don't give themselves enough time. Right. It takes it takes six hours a day minimum to be great at the job in the neighborhoods focused with no distractions. Right. It takes six months to start to really, really get a pipe. I had a, I had a friend that came and worked with me once, um, from another industry, but he was a personal friend. And I told him, I was like, I was like, don't, don't say you're going to come out and see how you like it. It's like saying, okay, I'm going to go for a run and see how I like it. It sucks. You're going to hate it. Right. I said, come out and install 10 and then reevaluate, just get to 10. Right. It's almost like, Hey, get yourself to a seven and a half minute mile and then see how you feel. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's really valuable advice for brand new reps. Yeah, for sure. I think I, I remember recruiting Dallin Andrus, um, literally within a week, he had already had a truck rented and he was moving out to Maryland. And I was like, you know, you're going to move out here without like trying it, you know? And he was like, well, don't you guys have a lot of guys that are having a lot of success? And I was like, yeah, we are. And he's like, okay, well, I'm on my way then, you know? And I think, 
he was just all in from the get go. And, and I've learned an extremely valuable lesson from, from that. Like, you know, we have a lot of guys, you know, we, we've all made the mistakes as managers. Like this guy doesn't want to quit his full-time job, but he can knock between five and eight every night. You know, those guys never hardly ever pan out. So it's like, I don't even waste my time. Um, with with guys unless they're just bought in it's like they've quit their job they're you know they're all either 100 with us or they're not with us at all so yeah, it's too it's too hard otherwise well hey before we wrap up this this question might tell me more about you than any other thing what's the last movie you watched the last movie i watched yeah what's the last movie you watched i mean has it been the, that long the patriot last night Oh dang! Okay, that's a good. Mel <laughs> Gibson. I thought I was going to catch you in some like some like she's all that or something, but you went with the Patriot. All right. <laughs> that that she's all that was two nights. What ago. about you, Ty? Dude, uh, I I just watched Jojo Rabbit. We seen Jojo Rabbit. It's incredible. Jojo it's so good. Jojo I Rabbit. Seen it. You haven't seen it? You would love it. No, you like it. I have four little kids, so we're pretty much watching Dora the Explorer every day okay well we appreciate you being on joe this has been really awesome man it's, it's good to hear your perspective it's good to have the perspective of somebody that's knocked different markets of somebody that's had success building up teams of someone that's had to kind of really create a career um on your own you know what i mean it's 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 pretty impressive and um you know i i think the the main takeaway from from reps is a lot of times we have these stories that we believe right oh he's from the alarm industry oh he knew these guys growing up oh he went to school with everybody and the thing I like about your story is, you know, we don't work together um, very often. You're on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast, but I know you from your production and I know you from being willing to go in and scrap and pick up new markets, which is really, really hard jobs. And I think that's, I think that's a really, I think that's a really important legacy. So before we close out on another episode, man, do you have any other words of wisdom or any other points to share? No, I just, I appreciate you guys, you know, um, looked up to both you guys for, a lot of t a lot of years so appreciate everything you guys have done thanks man it's been great and thank you guys for joining us this thanks, has been Joe. another episode of Big people if you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers if you enjoyed the podcast please go to itunes and subscribe leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating thanks for hanging out with us today this is electric people Take these principles and go be electric.